Hey, Mike Ulmer here. The great Mark Pettipaw lent me this space to remind you that now is a great time to write your nonfiction book. I've interviewed 10,000 people. I've written 19 books, and I want to help you write yours. Here's how we do it. First, we interview you. Then we give you a detailed step-by-step blueprint for your book based on that interview. We write your thousand-word introduction, throw in some cover ideas, and suggest a title. And here's the best part. We assign a writer to help you answer all your questions for a calendar year. You're going to be so sick of us. Click the link, I want to write my book, in Mark's show notes for a free consultation. At the very least, we'll help you find your story and send you on your way free of charge. Now it's on to lessons in leadership from the stockroom to the boardroom with my friend, Mark Pettipa. You are following the Lessons in Leadership podcast with Mark Pettipa, where we bring on multiple guests to share their stories about their growth and life and leadership. How'd they fail? How'd they succeed? What can you learn from it? No bullshit, real stories. Brought to you by www.markpetipod.com. Enjoy this episode of Lessons in Leadership. So, episode nine of the Lessons in Leadership podcast. Um, tonight, I have the distinct honor and pleasure of, of not only having a leader I've always admired, and, and I said this to him, um, and I'll tell all of you, I've never met a better leader with people in my life like hands down, and, and I'm going to write in my book about a lot of really great leaders in my life, uh, but I've never met a better person at assembling teams and getting people to buy in, and that comes from the way he treats his teams, and, and I want him to share that tonight so people can learn from that, um, and I think anyone who's worked for Brendan would tell you the same thing, so I'm honored to have Brendan Costigan here, not only a leader I admire, but someone I call a very dear friend uh, that I've been very lucky to have in my life through Good times and bad times, and you, and you need those types of people in your life when you're struggling, and, and Brendan's the guy who's always been there for me to pick me up. So I'm just ecstatic to share your story with more people this evening, Brendan, so thanks for doing this. Uh, hey, Mark, no problem. You know, you and I have go way back, and <clears throat> I've seen some of your previous guests have been amazing people I look up to. Um, hopefully, I can share a, a laugh or a story that people will appreciate, but thanks for having me. Yeah, you're more. Th- thank you for doing it. And like I told you just before we started recording, be careful for the media requests coming out of this because you know the 80 downloads may turn into 80,000 before you know. <laughs> uh, but we'll have some fun. Uh, so again, thank you, Brendan. I really appreciate doing this. First of all, I appreciate your background with all the Habs stuff. Um, take a little shift to your uh, left or right and show the crowd your. Yeah, look at that beautiful piece. Before we get into it. Uh, I saw you post about that. What is that, and where did you get that great Gord Downey piece? Um, so uh, Gord Downey, I, I was very fortunate, as you know, to get to know the band on a personal basis. And uh, Gord is someone who is so authentic and so real and so down to earth. Um, just I looked up to him, and I saw this picture one day online. You know, it's the Canada flag with Gord Downey in the in, instead of the lead. And I said, I have to get this. Ritu, my wife's uh, uncle, is a painter. He created it for me, and it's now the center point of my my hab basement, my uh, man cave. It's absolutely spectacular, and everyone always comments on it when they come and see it. So thanks yeah. for pointing it out. Yeah, it's awesome. I know you had a personal relationship with Gordon, and you traveled literally around the world sometimes to watch him perform, and and you've seen him in your role at, as, as a senior executive at Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment, but you've you've also seen him in pubs in Ireland with like 500 other people, which is, is pretty cool. We could do a separate podcast oh, just yeah. from there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, first of all, before we start, what are you drinking? Oh, that's what I'm drinking. Hey! Cheers. I'm, I'm doing this for the Irish in you, B. Thank you. Cheers. Cheers. Okay, so um, what I'm going to do, Brandon, is I just, you know, got a few questions. And I do want to start with an introduction because, again, I know you so well. And, and people who know you know you so well because you're su- such an open guy and, and warm and welcoming. And, and people get to, to learn about you because you're very transparent and very authentic. But there are some people that will be listening to this will be like, who's Brendan Costigan? So, so I'd like to share a little bit about your professional background, how we know each other, and if you don't mind when I'm done, 
close any gaps. Sure. Sure. So Brendan, I got to meet Brendan uh, when I was an aspiring uh, full-time salesperson at Champs in Quebec, and Brendan was in Ontario, and and uh, we both kind of progressed at the same time, became store managers. Uh, Brendan, again, Ontario, I was in Quebec, we talked quite frequently. Brendan got to know my brother Randy, who was at Champs at the same time, and we talked the stories about that. Um and as that relationship grew, I really started to admire how Brendan led teams and how people talked about Brendan. And, and then I got to meet him. Um, and Brendan and I's past worked together in retail at Athletes World at the mega thrift town for about eight seconds. Uh, <laughs> would have been pretty cool if it panned out. Um, and then uh, when I went on to MLSE um, as director of consumer products, there was a VP at the time by the name of Diego Rocasalva who was looking for a director of client services. And I said, I know a guy, he's in retail. I've never seen anyone better with people and teams. Um, he has, he's not in sports and entertainment um, and it would be a shift for him, but his leadership style is a perfect fit and he knows how to please teams to please customers. And Diego hired you, which was awesome. Uh, later down the road, you and I would work together in uh, event services. Um, with guys like Ian Malcolm and Glenn Knight and Consumer Products, like, and all great people from retail. Kevin Kempke, who's now was one of your reports, who's now the VP of security at the um, Vegas Raiders. Like again, the teams you have led are, are pretty impressive. And then you you moved on and you um, were a district manager for Reebok, Under Armour, and now you're the director of retail ops for the Nike stores under the licensing agreement with Fox Retailers Sports. Did I get everything, man? You I mean, you did get everything. It's I'm a sporting goods retail man through and through. Um, you know, I live breathe sports, as you can see. Um, I didn't venture out of this lane. I've stayed in it either in retail or with the Toronto Maple Police, Maple Police Sports Entertainment. I just love the industry I'm in. You couldn't get me in anything else. This is what I love to do. So you're not going to join my coaching business. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Not good enough yet. Still working on it. Yeah, you know, when I scale past like one, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, let's let's talk a little bit about your role now before I get into some like leadership questions and, and, and ask you a little bit of personal stuff if you're comfortable answering sure. it. Um, talk to me about the role today. One for me, because, you know, you and I haven't connected and in, in through this pandemic as much as we normally do. Um, we used to play ball hockey together. <laughs> Our families are super close. We used to see a lot of each other. And we haven't. So, so tell me about the role today. What are you? What's your team look like? What are you accountable for? And how's that going? Um, it's such a an amazing um, experience for me, uh, and an amazing opportunity. It's it's Nike, but it's a mom and pop shop. We, the company that I work for is called Fox Group, which retailer sports is a sub that I truly work for. Um, Nike looks upon this Fox Group company from Israel, based out of Israel, as the best at providing premium experience because Nike do, doesn't do their own premium stores. They, they franchise it out. Um, they had 400 partners at one point in time, and they're narrowing it down to the top 50 around the world. Um, they did very well in Israel. Nike asked them to take, take over the world almost, but they said, let's try it in Canada. So they expanded to Canada. That's where I came in. They needed a Canadian who knew the retail market. Uh, I started with just two stores with this company, and we've now grown to nine. Uh, it's going extremely, extremely well. There's, there's a shift in Canadian retail. It's a much like American retail where um, we were always a hybrid when you and I were in the stores. We'd be in premium malls like the Eaton Center or Yorkdale, but you'd still have 40% off signs in your window. 25 off, uh, Fogo. You know, that was kind of Canadian mentality. We're in the US, either you're very premium or you're an outlet, like a clearance outlet. Um, there's, a, there's a big shift in, in Canadian retail, and we're seeing that. And my sales keep doubling year after year. We're not adding new categories, we just keep doubling. We've got to a point where Nike is so impressed with the numbers we're doing in Israel and in Canada, they've now given us the rights to Europe. So we're already at almost 10 stores in Europe. We're going to get to 50, and we're eventually going to go right across Canada. 
I'm actually working on, I'm waiting for this uh, lockdown to be done because I'm going to be opening up a 30,000 square foot store in Yorkdale. It's like a Nike town, uh, but without the title Nike town. It's going to be a, a Nike premium store that we're running. They blew out five stores in Yorkdale, two level store. It's going to be absolutely incredible. And we're only starting. So once again, it's the biggest brand, retail brand in that I know of, the big swoosh, but we're mom and pop shop because there was a, we started with two stores and now we're growing right across Canada. It's so much fun. It's a, hot, a lot of hard work, a lot of growing pains, but enjoying every second. I've always been that person, as you know, if it's Thrift Town or with Reebok or Under Armour, I kind of did the same with, with those brands. I like the challenge. I live for those challenges. So yeah, going very well. My leaders are fantastic. They, they think differently. They're Israeli. Um, my, my boss, Tomer, uh, he looks at things totally different than we would have been taught growing up in Canada. And I've learned from that. So I'm always learning. You know, you talk about leadership. Here it is. I'm an older man now. <laughs> and but I'm still learning, which is amazing. So it's making me a better leader each and every day. So thanks for asking. That's awesome. So let me ask you this, Brendan, and I want to get into some specifics about how you lead. But before that, um, is that breaking news on this 30,000 square foot store in Yorkdale on the Lessons in Leadership podcast? <laughs> you could say that. You know, we're, we're, not, we're not much for advertising, but there is hoarding up. We no. should have been in November, but it's been pushed back, pushed back. We're going to open February 25th. Now it looks like end of March. So, so it's, um, it's relative it's, news. I'm sorry? It's relative news. It's very relative. Trust me, Nike is on fire right now. Nike, I've never seen it so high. I've never heard of them. What do they do? <laughs> <laughs> they, they make like running shoes and apparel or something like that, don't they? No, just teasing. <laughs> uh, I got to tell you, and you, you refer to it. Brendan, like to open up stores and scale businesses, what a, what a lot of senior leaders miss when they get stuck in product and process and marketing, which are all important factors in scaling a business, they lose sight that people do the work. And you need yeah. strong leadership to scale larger organizations. And like, I remember opening Square One 342 with Glenn. Um, yeah. God, I think it was when we started at Athletes World, we were starting, and I think it was one of the Eusebio brothers that was the manager at Fairview Mall, and no, a co-manager, and it was Anthony who was a buyer, was the man, and they were, like, you've always been a guy who's been able to go in and rally troops to get a big job done and get everyone <laughs> on the same page, so I, I want to talk specifically about that. Just before we move to it, last thing on the on the current role, where would people find the nine stores in Canada today? What are some of the cities and malls that you're um, we focused, because it was an experiment, hoping it was going to go well, this mom and pop shop called Nike, um, <laughs> we focused in Toronto. So you'll find us in Eaton Centre, uh, Yorkdale, Markville, uh, Scarborough Town Centre, Fairview, uh, Square One. But we've actually ventured way out of Toronto to London um, and, and right up the 401 to Ottawa. But our plans are to hopefully move across into Quebec. Yeah, we, man, we. So premium product offering under the Nike brand in premium locations is what I'm hearing. That's right. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about your leadership style. So um, one, I ask all the guests on this show this, and it's interesting to see um, little differences but common themes. So I'm, I'm interested to see if it's going to show up for you. Um, what have you learned from good leaders through your career? In your, in your somewhat mature career that you referred to sure. as, a, as, a, as a maturing gentleman. Um, that sounded a little creepy, actually. Um, your, your, what did you learn from good leaders that you kind of adopted and made part of your style? And what did you learn from bad leaders that you didn't want to do without naming names? Like how have leaders before shaped your style? Absolutely. Um, so I'd start with just someone who cares, who, who cares about you. As an individual, you know, when I hopped into retail, I'm a person who comes from a, a, a very, you know, poor background. And I wasn't one who didn't have a lot. I didn't have a lot of confidence when I got into this retail game. And um, 
I was embraced by, uh, I'll start with the first name I'll drop is a, a Mark McRae, who, who really showed interest in me and really cared. Um, and he gave me the opportunity to, to fail. He gave me the opportunity to make mistakes. Um, and you, but he was there to pick me up. He also, he also listened. He, he, under, he wanted to know, you know, what am I truly about? What makes me tick? And, and I think that's one of the biggest things I've learned along my way is, is first of all, I got to understand what makes me tick. What are my strengths? What are my opportunities? But the second thing, which uh, I allude to a, a Jeff Budway, you know, Jeff Budway, he, he was able to understand, you know, what made, what motivated me and what my opportunities were. And he was able to communicate them to me in a very positive manner, as well as uh, whoever else was on that team. Everyone's different. And, you know, I've, the most stores I ran at one time was 56 stores. And, you know, that's 56 leaders. And that's not including, you know, the assistant managers and the leads. You know, I, ha I have to be able to adjust my, my leadership style to each and every one of them. I have to make sure that I'm, I understand who they are. I always like to know three things, at least three things about every one of them. I probably know 20, 30 things about each, each and every one of them. I, I try to get involved in their life and get them to understand who they are and what they're truly about. So that's, that's a big part of what I, I'm about. Two is because I think I came from such a humble background, Mark, is that I wasn't afraid to get my hands dirty. And I wasn't one who was expecting, you know, I, I wasn't a person who was very well educated, uh, you know, who went to Harvard. I'm a person who had to work hard every single day just to just to progress my career. And, you know, it wasn't about working hours. It was learning, working, learning, working. I was always trying to improve myself. And what that would take me to the next thing. I listen. I like to listen. I like to I like to hear what people uh, have to say, um, not just my leadership, but the people above me. I'm constantly asking my bosses, what, what could I have done better? What would you like from me? Um, because I know my game, as I've already alluded to it, my game is always, I'm always perfecting it. Just like an NHL hockey player, um, I'm, I'm, never, I'm never perfect. I can always be better. So there are some of the keys, Mark, that, that I, I look at, and, and the big thing that I take into every role I go into is I tell anyone who works beside me, along me, um, that I work for them. If they, if they are happy and they are motivated and they want to get up out of bed every day and, and do an amazing job, you know, that's half my battle. I want them enthused and motivated. So Motivating people and, and understanding where their opportunities are and, and what makes them click is huge for me. So I work for them. And you could go to every one of my nine stores and they, they would, they've heard that term. I've used that term a hundred times to every single leader. Okay, I work for you. What do you need? What can I do for you today? So that's, that's a snippet of, of the way I think, the way I go at leading people. I make sure, you know, one of the things I've been blessed with is I took Reebok and and uh, Adidas. I looked after three brands, Reebok, Adidas, and Rockport. I opened up nine stores in a month. And that, you know, even though I was in that role, I didn't have a lot of support around me. I took on a lot of different roles. I worked a lot of hours. And because I I wanted to show people that I'm I'm not I'm no better than anyone. I could be a title hire. But, you know, I work for them. Whatever they need to, from me, I will, I will do to be successful. So it, it's very important that um, they understand that, that whoever works for me or works alongside me uh, understands that, you know, I've got their best interests in mind. Awesome. Anything that you saw negatively from other leaders that became a positive for you? So, like, I, I had one stop in my career where – you know, I saw more of a directive leadership style that didn't align with me. Um, and what I did was I took the learning lesson to say, okay, what's the deficiency there? How's it impacting people? I know if I can turn that negative into a positive and not do that and be cognizant of it, 
I can improve my leadership style. And again, I don't want to go too deep in names and what sure. they did, but yeah. you learn even from bad leaders. Are there any experiences like that 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 shaped you? Oh, ab- absolutely. You know, there's there's people who, and I'm not saying they're bad leaders, there's people who have bad moments in time, or maybe their style just doesn't connect with me. Um, you know, the big thing is just someone talking down to me is what I've already described. You know, what I've seen over time, I, I, I would say, Mark, if we turn back the clock 20 years ago, that leadership style was used a lot. Yeah. It was more, you do or else. And, you know, even though that's how I was kind of brought up in, in quite a few situations, I had to see, I had to stand back and see and observe how that negative approach was affecting people. And we saw a lot of people come and go because they weren't, they weren't excited to be there. You know, it's, it's, it's a job, it's a career. Somewhere you have to be at least 40 hours a week. You want them to be happy. And, you know, Mark, I'm in a situation, it's retail. We have to approach strangers and, and come in very enthused, very motivated and want them to buy our product. And to have them already walking out of the back of, back of house or the stock room and they were just yelled at because they didn't fold that t-shirt right, you're not setting them up to win. And that's that's the, my job. It's retail. You know, you want, I'm in premium. I'm in a premium experience now, but you know, you and I worked in Thrift Down, which was gently used product. I worked in outlet companies. You know, I always had the same approach. You and I had the same approach. You know, we're lucky to have anyone walk through our door. You know, I work for the greatest sporting goods brand in the world, but I still think we're lucky to have anyone walk through our door. You know, Nike, for example, you could go into Eaton Center today and buy Nike in probably 25 other shops, a Foot Locker, a Sport Check, whatever. We don't even do sale. We're premium. We're full price. And as I stated earlier, we've doubled sales almost every year because of the experience. We're hiring the right people, we're motivating them, we're setting them up to win, we're training them, and we're developing them to understand that this is how you you want to drive sales is through a very positive experience. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with where you're coming from. And I, and I think the leader sets that tone. You're right. If, if you're creating an environment where people aren't going to come in excited and feel like they're part of the equation and they're valued, it's going to show up in front of your customer. And you're right, on a premium product like you have, experience is part of that equation for value, right? Like, you know, one of the things we I learned at MLSE, I think Richard probably uh, shared it with you as well, was that, you know, the value equation isn't about price. It's about quality and service over price. And so if you want your team to to explain and deliver quality and especially service in your world, they have to want to be there. They have to be empowered. They've got to be excited. So they can justify the price on a premium product. And there's no better, I'm not blowing sunshine up your butt. There's no better person to doing it that I've ever seen than you. Um, and again, I think everybody who's worked for you would say that. So kudos. Well, and keep thank thank you, Mark. Up. But you know what I would say is, you know, we talk about, you know, someone doing this to you. You know, people do make mistakes. People need to be developed. You know, I have opportunities. You have opportunities. So the key is, and I'll tell you, one of the turning points in my career, and I use it to this day, so I'll give you the credit. I don't think I've ever even told you this, or maybe I shouldn't because you'll take the credit for it, is your one-on-one form you created back at MLSE. And I remember I asked you, can I borrow this? And my career really took off. I remember using it with Kevin Kemke, and look where he is. He's the VP of, of uh, security and for the Raiders. You know, Sitting down and calling out people's, first of all, motivating them, telling them what they did well, but also calling out opportunities. You know, I use that form as such a motivating tool, Mark. It isn't even funny that my teams do it every two weeks in their stores. Every two weeks, every single team. And, you know, we we use that form to take those opportunities into a motivating tool. Isn't that crazy? You're calling them out for something they did wrong, but... They leave going, oh, my God, I know how I'm doing. Right. You know, I'm a person who I thrive to want to know how I can be better. Some people, 
Not so. And at the beginning, when you know some new external hires will come in and they, you know, it's it's a bit of a shock to their system using those one-on-ones. And they get very defensive, like, oh my God, what? What you're not happy with my work? But over time, if you use this consistently consistently, you'll see that they accept it, they embrace it, and then they too want it. You know, this form is filled out by the employee, not the employer. This form is filled out, you sitting down with your, your boss and going, hey, here's what I did last week. Here's what I need from you. Right. It's that engagement. So I don't know. I'm sure you still use that form. If not, I, I, I kept it alive. Oh, awesome. Brendan Costigan one-on-one. I didn't call it's, it the Mark Pettipop. You know what? It's all about branding, pal. You know, Richard Petty used to say it's about best practicing, not plagiarism. You take something and you make it better, right? And I'm sure you have. Uh, and and quite frankly, honestly, I appreciate you bringing that up. Um, I should have prompted you now that we're talking about it. But um, it, it really is important to understand that continuous improvement, right? Like, Brendan, I can, I've said this to anyone who will listen. I like to think I'm good with people. I like to think I can, I can get people excited about what they do and get them to trust that I'm trying to develop them. I can't hold a candle to you. So I can only imagine what that looks like, that form on the delivery, right? But what I liked about you bringing it up is, you know, 75% of the leaders don't have a process on how to lead their people. And, and you need the tool. And the more consistent you are with it, the more people begin to trust and the more they want that feedback to develop and understand their weaknesses. So I'm so proud of you, one, sharing that, thank you, and two, that it's having that level of impact, and more importantly, that your team's buying into it because it influences more people. Mark, it, every every company, I use it in Reebok, Under Armour, Adidas, now here, it, and people are blown away by it. You know, And, it it's, was, and it's simple. It's not it's rocket science. And now people beg for it. Oh, my God, when do I have my 101? Hey, we still have my one-on-one. They love it because they see it as an opportunity that you're showing them that you are engaged and you're trying to help develop them. Don't we all want to be developed? You yeah. know, no one wants to be a lead in our company. We call a keyholder a lead. No one wants to be a lead. No one aspires to be uh, a lead. They want to move up. They want to be a district manager, a director, a buyer. You know, this form helps them, inspires them to drive. What can I do better? You know, in the, in that form, as you know, we're talking about what books should they read to be better leaders? You know, Jack Walsh, you know, uh, oh, you know your book that's soon to be coming out that will yes. be recommending, <laughs> recommending to people. You know, that, that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. that's that's what this forum's for, to help these people be better leaders, which they appreciate. Oh, my God, you care enough about me. It's not about, oh, you didn't fold that T-shirt right. It's more about, hey, let's talk with this situation. How could you have handled this better? They feel so good coming out of it. They really do. Big smile on their face when they walk out of those meetings. Yeah, and, and I always share in, in the training that I do with my customers now is, you know, here's the process and here's those forms. And it's critical because it holds you accountable. But here's what your team's really craving. Yeah. They want to talk to you on a regular basis. Yes. That, that's the simplicity of all. They want to know that you're paying attention and you care and you're there. Um and so I can only imagine the trifecta with you having a form, uh, having the skills that you have, and then the way a person feels meeting with you. And what I love is, is your ability to get other leaders to do the same thing, right? Because it's one thing for Brendan to be really good with his store managers um, or his DMs as the company grows. It's another thing if the store manager is an asshole to their staff, you haven't done your job as a leader yet. Because you're accountable for that experience in every store. Um, that's right. And, and that's who you are. You have the ability to see I'm accountable to everything. I'm here to serve. And I've got to set people up for success at every level. And quite frankly, that's why I wanted you on this is people at every level trust you. Like I used to watch the part-times around you at MLSE. And you know they had a supervisor in their section. They had a, a manager. They had a director in you. Um but, man, they knew you almost better than they knew anyone else in the building. And, and that trust comes from your involvement. So just tremendous career you've had on that front. I'm going to switch now, and I'm going to ask you something. And, and, and I didn't prepare for this in advance. So if it's not a comfortable position, and I know you well enough to know it will be, I want to talk about your family a little bit. Um, because what I found from past guests as I talk about their professional inspiration and experience and leaders like you just shared um, – 
Mark McCrae's and Jeff Budway's and family usually is part of your leadership DNA. You know, how you've been raised, your friends, people have influenced you. So talk to me a little bit about that. Um, you know, your mom was a tremendous positive impact on your life. I know you well enough to know how highly you speak of that. I know you well enough to have met her and got to know her at the end of her life. I wish I had more time to get to know her. Um, and she was very like, like, I think that's why you and I get along. Our families are very similar. Um, a little wacky, a little kooky, but some of the nicest people that, you know, genuinely care about you. Um, but I always say, you know, my, my desire to get people to be happy and have fun is my mom and my discipline is my dad. Um, and the work ethic is my brother Chuck kicking a hundred million footballs a day and making me hold them for him as a kid. And, and all that stuff's in my DNA as a leader. What's in yours? What's some of the personal and family influences that you can point a finger to? I love you tapping on that because that's why I am what I am today is, and it's my mom. Um, as you know, I, I didn't have a dad. Um, my mom, we grew up extremely poor, um, very troubled home. As you know, I won't get into details. But what's funny was, you know, I would go to school with hand-me-downs of my hand-me-downs of the hand-me-downs of my three older brothers, you know, maybe not even of eight that day. You know, it's something as crazy as that. But I didn't think that because my mom always made it seem like I had the best life. You know, she, in a kind of the same attitude I take in the work that, you know, as hard as our job is, you know, you got to have a positive attitude about it. And my mom, even though she was going through financial problems and marital problems, she never showed us those cards, you know. We could have an inkling of what was going on, but we always, we always thought we, you know, I gave my mom Father's Day cards because she was my mother and my father. I, you know, my mom was the most positive person, no matter what. She always got up off the mat and was there. And she's exactly like your mother, you know, uh, your mother's exact same person. I see her in you. Absolutely. I, that's that. That's it. You know, I, I grew up very poor. We moved from the city to a small town, and just imagine that attitude of a, all these city kids moving to a small town. How well received were we? You know, and, and not not. It's not their fault. It's just oh, who are these new? The town was a very small town. We have to. My mom had to fight for everything she had, uh, tooth and nail, for to get food on the table put clothes on her back you know we had to fight for everything there was no quit and I had a poster in my room growing up and all it said was it's not whether you get knocked down it's whether you get back up and you know I I had that because of my mom and that's how I go through life you know I've worked in Reebok Adidas Under Armour Reebok and Adidas I opened up 27 stores in in four years in Under Armour I opened up um, 10 stores in two years. You know, here I've opened up, you know, we're now up to nine. So open up seven stores in under two years. You know, I had to take on a lot. And I could have said, I'm a director. I don't go and fold. I don't go and do that. No, I'm here to get the job, the job done. I'm no better than anyone. And so I owe that all to my mom and my upbringing that, you know, I could have taken that as a, as a negative and going, poor me. Look at the situation I've been put in. You know, mental health is a, is a big part of it. Um, that, you know, my mom was there for us and listened to us and supported us through that. Um, you know, there could have been some damage done to us, but she kept us on the right, straight and narrow. And I appreciate that. And I take that into everything I do to this moment. And, you know, in the role, you know, as you know, my mom's passed away. I've had a brother pass away when I was very young, you know, that's that's a real problem. That's a real challenge. Um, my brother's got cancer right now. You know, they're real problems in life. So when I come across something that's challenging in the workplace, mm. how challenging really is it? You know, is it, you know, oh my God, I got to open up nine stores in a month. Okay, well, that's that's not a bad problem to have. You know, whatever I need to do, I, you know, I may not have enough people. Our head office started with three people. 
You know, we're now up to nine, but I'm still wearing three or four different hats. I'm not sitting here complaining. I actually love the fact that I have a job. I appreciate that I'm surrounded by such amazing leaders, both above me and below me. I'm enjoying the experience just like my mom did. My mom each and every day got up and the sun was shining and let's go have fun. Positive, positive person. And the pedopause don't want to sidetrack are the exact same people. You know, your mom, who I love to death, and your dad, who I go visit when I show up in Montreal. And it just that's what that's why you are where you are, and I am where I am. So, you know, God bless moms and dads for in your case. Yeah, no, agreed. And 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 it's you know, a couple things that really resonate with me. And and I do know your story because I know you well and and I ask those questions. So people watching the my goal of doing these podcasts were like, you know, maybe someone who's 25 um needs some understanding that you don't get there overnight. And here's some of the things you're gonna have to go through to get to where you're at at 48 to 50, whatever you are. Um <laughs> I'm just teasing you, buddy. Um, but but that's the goal of the podcast, and 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 that involves you know, real challenges in life. And, and what I love that you said that I wish, I don't want to sound abrasive because I'm in the business of consulting businesses, right? So every time I take a big stance on a soapbox, I could be turning off clients. But one of the things that fucking pisses me off, part of my language, is when a CEO comes out and lays off 500 people because the board is upset with their dividends this year and their returns. And the Company only made 350 million this quarter versus 391 the quarter before. And that whole context around, whoa, like there's people struggling to survive here who rely on this job. There's people with siblings in their family that are sick. There are people that have come to work for you every day through those challenges. And you've lost the plot of life. Like you've lost it. Um, and, it, and, it, and it infuriates me. And I understand the business discipline. I understand deliverables. I go to my clients to help improve those, but always in the context of improving their people. And no one has walked that walk better than you in your life from anyone I've observed. So I think that's you really are, important. Can, I, people, can, I, can yeah. I just add that, you know, talking about that, you know, my brother's got cancer. and We started a GoFundMe for him. The numbers, uh, first of all, my, my boss, Tomer, who's a friend, you know, he's back in Israel now. That guy stepped up like you wouldn't believe. You know, he's known me for two years. He's back in Israel. He, all of a sudden, there was this huge donation, huge donation. Like, what? He didn't tell me. It all of a sudden showed up in a GoFundMe. And uh, my sister called me and, and said, Brendan, you know, who's this? And so, you know. He just said, Brendan, your family, you know, mm -hmm. we work together. You've done, you've done so much for me that, you know what, this is nothing. I owe you so much. He has the same mentality as I do. Um, I have leaders who work below me in the stores that, you know, you should see. I bet you I had 50 people donate. I didn't tell anyone. I didn't want anyone from my work to donate. I didn't want it. I didn't want to leverage my position. I swear I didn't tell anyone. And it, you wouldn't believe how much people donated and, be, and because they wanted to. And because I think it goes back to what you started that, you know, I'm there. They see that I care about them and I'm trying to invest in them and make them the best leader they can be. And along the way, we come, we, we become friends. Sure. But it's still it's work first. But they know that I care about them. And I'm putting them first over anything else. So it's, it's huge. You know, that's, that's sidetracking. And the other thing I want to say, Mark, is, you know what? When I first got into retail, I was a bit of a damaged goods because I'd been through a lot. And to, to have the Jeff Budways, the Mark McCrae's, the, the Mark Pettipaws see through some of my deficiencies and some of my opportunities and, and still believe in me. Or some people, they should have maybe thrown me out with the trash. They really should have. But they didn't. They did, you guys didn't. You know, you were there for me, and I had tough times. I, I was rough around the edges. Um, you know, Bob Hunter, uh, who I can speak of, MLSC, Rob O'Malley at uh, Reebok. I've, I think I'm only starting to become a good leader now. Uh, I'm getting better and better every day, but 
thank God for someone believing in me. And like you said, they understand that I'm not perfect. And when you start out in retail, you know, I see this a lot with managers and they come in going, oh, he's, this person isn't very good. We should get rid of him. Well, what have you done? How have you invested in them? You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put something into them to, to get something out of them. To, you gotta teach, you gotta coach, you gotta hug them, you gotta mentor them. So it's very important because I should have been kicked to the curb a long time ago. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I've had a lot of those moments in my life as well. Um, but you know, the one thing I, I put out there all the time for me, and I learned this from, from Lisa Larder, I think, or Jackie Fu at TELUS, um, who were amazing leaders in my life, you know, it comes down to willingness versus knowledge. And if there's a knowledge gap, it's on the leader. It's, it's yeah. on the leader to close the knowledge gap and teach someone and help them down that journey. If it's a willingness gap where the person doesn't want to do it, I still after being shown and guided and supported, that's when you have to make difficult people decisions. But until they demonstrate that they're no longer willing to learn and try, it's on you. And it's funny how many leaders turn that around and say, it's not up to me to figure it out. You go figure it out. That's right. Um, and again, you've always walked through. The last thing I'd like to say on your family, if you'll permit me, um, your mom, as you know, and you've expressed really well, um, and anyone who met her would tell you they've never met a more sweet, caring woman in their life. Yep. Um, Thank but you. the true the true impact of a leader, both in business and life, I believe, is the people who were uh, influenced them and what they've turned out to be and how they behave with other people. And you generate other leaders like the Kevin Kempkes, like all the store managers you've helped become district managers and so on and so on. And they've done the same. That's why servant leadership to me is so critical. It's how you influence change. In your family, your mom didn't just influence you. You know that. But what I want to tell people who've never met you is meet Kevin, meet Gerard, meet Colleen, meet Seamus, and meet the people they've chose as life partners and you will see how one leader impacts multiple lives because your mom lives in all of you. I always say it. I think it's a Shelburne thing, but it may just be a Costigan thing. I don't know. But those people treat people with respect and trust is earned and love is given the minute you walk in the door. You have to screw up to have that taken away. Yeah. Um, and, and your siblings and the people they've chosen their life and their kids. I just don't know better people than the Costigan clan. And pedophiles. I think you guys are descendants of Shelburne somehow. Well, I'm the one bad child. Randy, Wayne, Chuck, and Steve, God bless them, were angels. Uh, Steve's, literally one, Steve's literally one now. Uh, I was the asshole, but let's not talk about that right now. It's my damn show, okay? Um, all right, let's let's keep moving on then. Um, talk to me. If I had to say, what's your leadership philosophy? And I, I think you've kind of touched on it through all these answers. But, but if someone said to you, the corny, give me your 30-second elevator pitch on how you lead people, what would that sound like? Yeah, I, I, I think I've touched on it is, you know, honestly, is, is I work for you. Uh, I'm a person who will will invest in you. I, I, I'm like an auto mechanic uh, of a of an indie car driver. I am a, a skating coach for, you know, uh, Montreal Canadiens. I'm the person who's helping hone your skills to make you the better leader. There is many a person who's worked for me, Mark, that is, is a better leader than me. I just hope that I was able to contribute to the career. Like you said, you got Kevin Kemke, Ian Malcolm, Joe Silvestri. You know, I have so many amazing people who come through the system that, you know, God bless them. They're better than me. I'm just glad that I was there to support them as much as I could. I'm, I'm their mechanic. I'm the one to help them, to fine tune them, to make them the better person they are. I have the experience. I've read a, a lot of leadership books. and and, you know, I, once again, I understand myself, what makes me tick, and I try to understand what makes them tick. If I can get that done and get their buy-in, that's where they take off. That's yeah. my opinion. When you mention reading leadership books, you yeah, haven't read them all. Like, I don't know if you heard, but I have a book coming out. Yeah, 49, 49, no, 50, 50. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you've heard. You've seen a post about it. But once in a while, I post that I have a book coming out. <laughs> All right. I love that. Awesome. It's amazing. Good it's for good. you. It's been fun. Um, so 
I think what I don't want people to lose, right? So when, when people question the servant leadership style um, or the collaborative leadership style or the people-driven leadership style, whatever you want to call it, for me, I, I really resonate with servant leadership. The naysayers say, oh, yeah, but great. Everyone likes Brendan and they'll work hard for him. But that doesn't mean they're going to be successful. And so when things are going bad, Brendan's just going to tell everyone he loves them and the business isn't going to get the financial result. Where I'm going with that is what people don't understand about you and your leadership style is I can't remember a time when you've lost. Like, I just can't remember when your stores haven't won contests, your districts haven't won contests, you haven't killed budget. Like, I, I, when you came into MLSE, and when you were reporting into me in event services as the director, Brendan, I didn't do a hell of a lot for you. <laughs> I just kind of stayed out of your way and gave you what you needed because I knew you knew what you were doing. You implemented mystery shops. The scores went through the roof. You built recognition programs for your supervisors. You built training programs for them. What people forget is not only do you lead first, but you've been able to build high performance teams. How do you tie those two things together? Well, two things. One, I think because of, I may look like a soft, sweet guy. You know, I'm, I'm very candid, you know, but once again, in those one-on-ones, you know, I'm not coming at you telling you that you suck. That's not how it is. But if I see an opportunity, I'm going to tell it. And one of the first things when I introduce these forums, Mark, is I'll say, hey, listen, don't take any offense. Don't take anything serious, uh, like as in, don't get upset. Don't get emotional. This is not an emotional conversation. This is a professional conversation. One, you can say anything to me. Just don't swear. I always tell them. But two, you know, we got to be transparent. We have to be candid with each other. We have to break down the walls and gain that trust with each other. So that's huge. Once you trust me, you know, my boss just said he's in Israel. He got, he's been stuck in Israel since March. And he just said to me the other day, he said, Brendan, because I trust you. And, and you can see it meant a lot for him to say that, you know, to have the trust between two people that they're going to go out, that they're that you're going to direct them with their career uh, in such a positive way that they feel good about whatever you say and basically their career is in your hands. So uh, trust is 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 everything for for people. So transparency. The other thing that I do very well, I think, is. I measure, you know, it's not an emotion. It's never emotions with me. My boss, Tomer in Israel uh, always says, Brendan, I know, I know, because I say it too often. What gets measured gets done. And I have something called the power rankings where I measure in a retail store, traditional retail market, you measure your sales, you measure your UPTs, you measure conversion. You know, that's traditional. Sorry, for the non-retail people following the podcast, UPTs are unit per transaction. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, I have a power rankings that measures almost 30 different categories and I rank each store, one, two, three, four, right through to nine. And the team that has the least amount of points over the, the all these categories um, will, will paint a really strong picture because you and I know in stores, sometimes sales just come because maybe your community is really high. Maybe your, your team I remember working for Reebok and we opened up a store in Winnipeg. The Jets started. It was a new franchise. And I ended up letting go of that manager, even though they their store was number one. Their behaviors just weren't there. So, you know, making sure that you're it's never about the numbers. It's never numbers will give us information. It's about behaviors and also and then always coaching those behaviors. I'm always thinking, how can I, how can I improve this situation? It's behaviors, 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 and it's a professional, consistent conversation. It's, it's huge. It's huge for me, Mark. That you know, my team, I can walk in and and sit down with someone and call them out on something, but they understand where it's coming from, and we'll, we'll both come up with a solution together on how to make it better. You know, whatever that opportunity is, they appreciate that. They love that. So. Yeah. It's, I think it's fairly simple, my eye, in my eye. So anyone who's a naysayer and doesn't believe in the way you and I lead, um, you know, I wouldn't have it any other way. And I've been successful. You've been extremely successful. 
hey, I'm not changing my style. Uh, and I've seen a lot of different styles. I'm, I've taken the best from people like you and Rob O'Malley and Tamer and Jeff and Mark and just combined it all together. And this is what you guys do. You All the winners do the same thing. So, yeah, it's not, I agree with you. And I, and I take a piece of you and a piece of Mark. Like none of this is, is original content, right? Like it's, it's the best of what you've seen and observed. And you stay true to the fact that I need to serve other people so they can be successful. The, the biggest thing is people think, well, servant leadership isn't measurable. Look, you just talked about multiple categories over nine stores, but you also said what it does is the numbers paint a picture, but now I'm going to go work on the behaviors. And I love that because that's where people change a result. And I love that you had the courage to let go of a manager who was in your top performing store with the best results because there was a behavioral gap that they weren't adapting to, because at some point they're going to come down and they're going to impact everybody because they're doing it the wrong way. Um, right. I think servant leadership gets a knock because people think we don't measure things. And God, for those of us who come out of retail, I mean, we, we measure the breaths people take in a day sometimes. Yeah. But the good leaders in retail go, okay, enough. I know what the picture is. I know where to start to help. That's and, right. that's, and that's the difference, right? And, and again, as I've said earlier, no one does it better than you. Um, so you're a younger Brendan Costigan, and younger. Yeah. So like go back about a decade. Okay. Two decades. Okay. Maybe three decades. Probably. Yeah. You're Probably. a young key holder and you want to be Brendan at some point. What guidance would you give someone who, who wants to be the director of one of the most premium brands partners stores in Canada and some of the best locations? What do they need to do to get there? And what's the major words of advice you'd give them? Uh, the first first thing is is always want to learn, always wanting to grow, because I don't you know I wouldn't want to see myself twenty years ago. You know I I, I would maybe fire myself. Um, I've been oh through- I saw you. It wasn't pretty. Yeah, but then again, sure. I had a fake tooth falling out of my mouth at a national conference with no shoes on. But let's not get into that right now. Oh, it's you and I have grown. I know I've grown so much as a leader day after day after day after day. You always going to want to learn. You always got to see what could you have done better. That that's just it. You got to have that winning mentality. Want to what could I have done better today than I did yesterday to be successful? So that's that's really big Two, use it. Use the tools at your disposal because most companies have them, have tools at their disposal. Three, read leadership's book, especially yours. Yes, it's coming out soon. Thank you yeah. for, yeah, 50-year-old for millennial sure. available in no bookstores <laughs> and purchased <laughs> purchase through me, but that's not important right now. No, but reading leadership books um, and just understand that every everyone you talk to is like a vendor to you or or is someone who you're impacting as you've already said that you got to understand how you're speaking to them and you you also have to understand how they're receiving it so you know that's the game i've slowly got better it took me a while because i was full of energy a lot of spunk a, a lot of emotion i've really calmed that down my waters aren't as wavy they're a little more still now which you know there are just a few little key things that would help them get to where they need to be and just be hungry. Want it, want it, you know, um, I'm not much of an athlete as you know, but I like to win, you know, it, it, it kills me to lose it. If it's being number one in power rankings, that's what's helped me get to my career is being number one or two in a contest, at least getting people to show, look at me going, wow, this guy's doing something. That's always, that's been, that was fun. That's why I'm in sporting goods. I'm so competitive that way. I think, you know, I, I've had the, the um, I guess, the luck and the honor to, be able to play ball hockey with you for over 10 years um, in the very well-known Oakville Nailers Vipers franchise. And I would tell people that you play sports the same way you lead. 
You're the first guy to come off the bench, walk to the guys and say, guys, we got to get our shit together. We're flat tonight. Come on now, let's go. But the next shift, when someone went out of their way, you'd be walking up behind them the bench and saying, that's what I'm talking about, brother. Let's go. Let's keep this going now. We need you. And, and that's the way you lead. You set a high bar and then you lift everybody up towards it. Um, and I love those words of advice for someone coming up. Have that level of intensity about your own career. Yeah, and set the bars as high. You know, I, I look at Elaine LeMay, who's legendary in retail. She's the greatest manager, producer of sales. Like, you know, she is phenomenal. This woman doesn't fail. She's only one in everything she does. But why? Her bar is so high. Yeah. And if it comes up short, you're still amazing. And she And you don't realize it along the way that you're developing. I worked under Elaine mo almost more than anyone. And uh, she was, she is just phenomenal what she does is setting that bar really high and getting you to touch on everything each and every day. So shout out to Elaine LeMay. She's, wow, yeah. as you know. See, when, I, when I talk about retailers, right, um, who I see as the two best retailers I've ever seen, um, Jeff Budway, for me, from a, from a merchandising planning perspective, like he's yeah. up here, um, and Elaine from an execution perspective. Like, you just nailed it. Those are two people that I was like, even when Budway was my DM and I hated him. <laughs> and he knew it because he yeah. challenged me. He challenged yeah. me more than anyone else, and he had a different style than me. But if I had paid more attention, I would have learned from the guy because yeah. reflecting years later, I look at it and go, man, that guy's a genius when it comes to retail. Yes. He really is. And Elaine LeMay is the same way. But Elaine LeMay, to me, is the executive. She is the one that is going to get shit done. Yeah, and she's going to be running that 30,000 square foot store for me. Wow. You know, there's there's something, you know, Elaine and I have worked together for well over 20 years. Elaine has followed me from Adidas to Under Armour and now to Nike. And, you know, that kind of goes to, you know, we're talking about leading, you know, her and I have such an amazing relationship. We're not, we're friends, but I mean, it's not like we're having beers. Yeah. We're, you know, she's all work, as you know, but she loves the environment, the culture that is created. Um, we're, you know, you're respected. You're treated like a human being and you're always looking out for the better of that person, which, you know, Elaine, I owe her so much. I bow to her, boast her every day. Um, and Budway, strategy, just a brilliant mind. Yeah, brilliant. We, for, we forget how lucky we were sometimes to have people like those around us. Uh, the Mark McCrae's, obviously. I speak quite a bit about Mark in the book. Uh, I've got a book coming out. I don't know if I told you, but uh, it's going to hit. Anyways, uh, but, but like, look at some of the people in that team, like uh, Milburn goes on yeah. to be the CEO of Champs and Foot Locker. Like we, like we had some pretty cool people to look up to and learn from, right? Um, and I think it's important that people continue to pass that on. Last thing before I ask you any parting thoughts. Yep. Um, so that was advice you give someone um, growing into yep. a senior role. What would you give someone who is at your level now, but maybe struggling to get the attention of their team and, and drive the results they want? What would you give a peer some ideas or suggestions on? Yeah, connect. You, you, you know, for, I, I have this, I've had this currently uh, in the last five years where someone has come to me and asked that, like, wow, what are you doing? You know, how, how are you so connected to your team? And, and I just said, go talk to them. Go listen to your team. Go listen to your team. And these one-on-ones end up, Mark, as you know, yeah, we're talking about their career, but it eventually evolves to it as, as you have, as you created the form, work-life balance. You know, open forum. What, but how's your life? How's, how's the family? How's, how's the kids? You're going on vacation? Get engaged with your team. You know, we're on this planet once. Let's enjoy it. You know, get involved with your people because you want to you want to surround yourself with with people you enjoy to be with. But it's not about being friends, but it's about just having respect for each other and trust in each other that you got that everyone will go or after the same 
same uh, goal and you guys can achieve it together. It, some people are just disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. You, you can't be disconnected. I haven't seen it work. Um, I've seen people above me who've been disconnected and then they have a very short time frame. The people who are disconnected, they can get results because they do it by this. It doesn't but last. It doesn't last. Where, you know, this lasts. Look, Mark, all these people that we've talked about, you're one of my best friends by far, Joe Silvestri, you know, Jeff Budway. It all started as a working relationships. And now yeah. I consider you guys my, my best friends. Like literally, somehow it's evolved to that because we all had something in common. We all had the same goals. We're all driven and we all trusted each other. We all we all fought. You were in one store, I was in another store. Jeff was in another store. Yeah. But we all understood we're all in this together. We're all working for the same goal. It's it's really crazy how how life has played out that way. So you know, not only have I got had success and you know, titles, titles mean nothing to me. I don't care about a title. But you know, one of the best things that's come from all this is I have you as a friend. I have I have Budway as a friend. You know, I'm blessed to have such amazing people around me. That's that's my inner circle is people like you. Context, brother. First of all, thank you for that. But I think you just reiterated for anyone listening, it's about life, right? We we work, you know, we work to live. We don't live to work, right? Like that, that's not what we're put on earth to do. We're here to impact people and enjoy our time here. And, and yes, you can do both. Um, it's funny you talked about like just connect. It's very simple, but I once wrote a blog and it was like, I said the world's shortest leadership blog. This was like seven years ago because I was trying to start thinking about building content even when I was in executive roles. And I wrote, be approachable. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was a two word blog, but nine out of 10 leaders aren't approachable. So if you want to know what your problem is, no one fucking trusts you. No one wants to talk to you because you haven't earned that trust. And to your point, you don't get that with a title. You get that through demonstrating you have a high bar and you're going to help people hit it and it's going to help them grow. Um, and again, I said it before, no one does it better than you. Parting thoughts, my friend, that maybe we haven't talked about, the open forum of the podcast. Is there is there anyone you want to thank, anything you want to share? Um, over to you. Yeah, but just I've mentioned it's funny. We're talking about this for an hour now almost. You know, what's got me to where I am is surrounding myself with great leaders, great human beings. I've mentioned their names over and over and over again. Starts with, with Mark McRae bringing me into this industry. Love the human being. You know, then Jeff Budway was such an incredible leader. You come into my life after that. You know, look at our lifelong you know, friendship and with our families and such. And then Joe Silvestri comes in as an intern uh, working for me. And now here he is as a director at Nike, uh, uh, who's connected with me as well. Rob O'Malley, who's in Denver, Colorado, who I'm still really close friends with. My boss now, you know, him and I am two different, coming from two different worlds, Israel. Him and I are like that. You know, he doesn't have an interest in sports, you know. He's Israeli. It's, it's a different world over there. But I think what he appreciated is that I care. I work hard. I'm invested in my people and I care. And ditto for him that he he's a little bit different than my style, but we all want the same thing. And it, just surround yourself with great people, invest in them, and you'll get what you want. And, you know, just I'm so lucky to be in this industry. It has given me a it has given me my, I met my wife in retail. I met my, my best friends in retail. Um, but it's just from just being a, a, a good leader and always being there for people. And just, I love what I do. You know, here I am. I'm full of energy. I've been doing this for almost 30 years. And, I, and people say to me all the time, Mark, why are you always so happy? Why are you always <laughs> so full of energy? I love what I do. What's, this is amazing. And it's very contagious. So I'm blessed. Hopefully some people took something away from this. It, just invest in your people and you'll get a lot more out of it than just numbers. Very well said. Very well said and a great way to end it. I, I do want to end with a thanks. Thank you for doing this, B. 
Um, thanks for always being a great example. Um, I learned so much from you on how to treat people, not by what you said, but what you did. Like watching you and the behaviors you put in place, it was never about you telling people how to lead. It was about you showing people how to lead and getting your hands dirty and investing in people. Uh, and I always thought that was really, really impressive. And I still, to this day, try and aspire to get to where you're at on that front of the skill of leadership. And also importantly, personally, thank you for always being a great friend. I mean, you know, I've had a couple tough years like you have, you know, and you lean on people you want to see in difficult moments, like losing Steve and losing my dad. Um, you know, I wanted to see you. I wanted to see Ritu. I wanted to see Shay. I wanted to see Ian. I wanted to see Glenn. That, that those are people in my life that I've met through work that I needed in those moments. And you've always been the first in line. So thank you for that. Oh, no. Hey, thank you. And it's only the beginning for us. You know, it's we're still moving along here, Mark. And once we get back open again, let's let's have some fun. But I'm so proud of you, Mark. I'll, I'll end with by saying, you know, you and I talked at the beginning of this pandemic and you're telling me you're doing this. And, you know, I, my wife said to me a couple of times, Ritu, going, you should do this too. You should do it. I don't have the balls to do it. I really don't. I'm a guy not full of confidence. I just, you know, it's scary for me. I come from nothing. I'm lucky to have what I have. Um, you know, for you, you've been through so much to take this and do what you've done and be as successful as you are. I'm so proud of you um, as a, as a brother. You know, I think of you as like a brother. And then to do this through everything you've went through too, with your, your the loss of your family members, like wow, like gutsy. But that's you. That's Mark Benpo. That's why people have followed you everywhere you went. That's why people adore you as a leader because you're so real. You're so human. I love you to death and your book is going to be successful and it, it's not going to be measured on, on selling millions of copies. It's about you're going to influence 10, 20, 30, 50, 100 people. If, if it does that, God, man, you felt out, like you said, but my mom, what you're doing, you're giving back to, to the world, which I appreciate for you. I wish I could be you. So congratulations, oh, you. I'm very proud. I really appreciate it. I'm not going to say anything back because you're going to get me bowling here. Uh, but I appreciate all your support, man. It means the world. So everybody on this, uh, listening to this podcast or watching the video, um, Brennan, if someone wants to connect with you, can they find you on LinkedIn? Are you cool with that if they have any other questions for Absolutely. you? Absolutely. So look out for Brendan. He's the type of guy that will answer questions for you, help in any other way. Um, and uh, just one of the good people on this earth. And uh, so is his family. So I'm blessed to know him. Thanks, Brendan, for doing this. I think a lot of people are going to get a lot of value out of this. Go Habs, go. Yes, go Habs, go. Love you, brother. See you, brother. See you, guys. Thank you. I'm just going to, oops, stop recording.